of the maker of our souls here. Love Brother McCool. Amen. We're just going to turn it to him. What he feels in the Holy Ghost tonight and giving us direction. We want to obey it tonight. God bless you, brother. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. I would, I would ask you to turn to Genesis chapter 1 tonight. And we're going to preach about time and eternity. But I'm not going to do that. That went right over some of y'all's heads. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And uh, I am really hesitant, but I'm going to just want to mention a few things. It's an honor to be here. And uh, I am so blessed by this church more than you realize. And uh, looking at what God is doing among you. And uh, it is a privilege always for my wife and I to come and be a part of what the Lord is doing here in Bendale. And uh, this is a special place for us. We're so appreciative of your wonderful pastor and his precious wife and all of God's precious people that are here. And uh, time does not allow me to look back over the memories where some of you were and now where you are today. Amen. And we're thankful for that. There's been a healing touch through this service tonight in a very, very special way, and uh, many of you responded, and can I just be plain, some of y'all hard-headed rascals, we had to come get you, amen, but that's all right, I've been there too, hallelujah, and uh, <clears throat> I was going to come to you and preach out of the book of Habakkuk tonight, and uh, I had a feeling some things were going to break loose in the spirit, so I didn't really know how much time we would have. But I will simply say this, that God is wanting us to set the hook on our promises. Is that all right? you got to set the hook on it. Do you all mind if I talk about ten minutes? That'd be all right. Sit down. Praise God. Be seated. I'm going to talk to you a little bit and just kind of get out of the way. But I still feel this burning on my spirit. And I hope that it will help you. Some years ago... The Lord began to deal with me, and my family was going through some incredible trials at the time while we were living in Houston, Texas. And while I was at Bible college and working, and, and of course the challenge of just going and leaving everything that you've ever known, breaking out of the comfort zone can be a scary place. Anybody been there? Boy, y'all are awful quiet already. Praise God. Don't, don't, don't get too quiet. I might preach till midnight. That's <laughs> a, you're, you're dangerous. <laughs> you are dangerous. 
But when you consider Habakkuk chapter 2, it is one of my favorite scriptures. And in chapter 2, verse 1, I'll just read it to you. It says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. I want you to notice that Habakkuk understood the principle of positioning himself for God to speak to him. And he said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will, everybody say watch. You don't just need to get positioned. You need to be attentive to what the Spirit is doing. And I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. And then in verse 3, he says, For the vision is yet... Everybody, can you see it up here? Will you read it with me? For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Just leave that scripture up there, brother, if you don't mind. Good. The vision is yet for an appointed time. It's, it's, a, it's a situation where Habakkuk has realized that they've been, they've been in this situation for a while now. They've been in captivity. And whether we want to admit it and be honest, there are times we are, in a sense, held captive by our own unbelief. It's not a matter of being captive by sin. I understand that in most cases, unbelief is sin. And not stepping out and believing the Word of God when God has already spoken. And it's in this dark obscurity that Habakkuk is frustrated just like the rest of God's people. And churches get that way families get that way uh, go through seasons in life and you don't know which which end is up if you please and here Habakkuk is suffering and struggling in his own faith just like the rest of them and to the point where while others are simply mully grabbing about it he has decided that I'm going to do something about this. And that is the first step in hearing from God. You've got to make up your mind. I'm going to do more than just position myself, but I'm going to get attentive and draw close to God. And I'm going to let God speak to me. And so Habakkuk ascends the tower, the watchtower. It calls it here, in a sense, the in the King James. He I will stand upon my watch and I'll set myself upon the tower and I'm going to watch and see what the Lord will say unto me and what I'm going to answer when I'm reproved. And He simply comes to this place where I've got to do something about this. B, 
because I know I can hear from God. And you've got to make up your mind that when you pray that you're going to hear from God. That there's no more doubt about it. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to lock in until I hear the voice of God. Whether I get it from His Word, whether I hear an audible voice, where I feel the assurance and the direction or the peace that I need in my heart, I'm going to linger until God moves. They are worrying about when God is going to move. They had a word of assurance. God commanded them, I'm going to appoint to you 70 years in Babylon. They have been battling with these voices that said, well, God's going to do it sooner. We'll get out of here. You wait and see. In fact, when they first went there, history tells us there were some that were going through the nation of Israel and the neighborhoods where they were in Babylon. And they were saying, oh, don't worry about it. We'll be out of here in a few weeks. God's going to reach down and God's going to deliver us. Not counting that sometimes it's the process and not the quick deliverance that does the work God wants. And so Habakkuk is frustrated. I might be talking to people that are frustrated here tonight. And you're wanting to know where is the light of hope and restoration? Where is the fulfillment of the promise that I felt like you spoke to me, God? Is anybody going through that tonight? You're wondering... God, when are you going to do this? That's all right. You don't got to raise your hand. I'm going to preach to Brother McCoo today. Is that all right? And he's saying, how long is it going to be, Lord, before you do what you said you were going to do? And it is in the process that God is working His will. It is in the nighttime that God is operating and he's moving and working. Almost like the photographer, the development of the, of the old style uh, film was developed in the dark room. And sometimes there are things that God does best in the dark. You've got to be willing to go into the dark place with him. Our problem is we think we're alone, but we're not. God is with us in the dark place. And so he ascends the tower. He begins to pray. Perhaps a hopeful thought that he might hear this word from the Lord as he's visited by a divine presence. And the vision is open before his eyes. And out of the cloaked darkness, the rays of hope shine again. And it pierces through with an utterance of God's voice, simply saying, the vision is yet for an appointed time. He's reminding them it's not going to be a quick work. Uh, I've heard it said Rome's not built in a day. Well, what God does in our life is not done overnight either. What we obtain so easily, many times we cheapen its glory because it happens so easily. Instead of learning to wait and trust God's Word. And what we need today is a sure word. We need a sure promise. 
We need to trust the word God gave us. And so in this verse, I want to draw your attention to this, where the word vision is used. He says, for the vision is yet. Everybody said the vision is yet. He is simply saying that it's for an appointed time. The word here, vision, is defined as sight. It is referring to mental or spiritual sight. It's a dream. It's a revelation that God makes clear that the vision he gave Habakkuk was for a time that was set, as it were, in stone. It was scheduled on the calendar of God's timetable. And sometimes God operates in a manner that the Bible says He both wills and He does His good pleasure. And so it is fixed. Everybody say fixed. The vision is fixed for an appointed time. It's like a season. And I'm just going to share these notes with you. It's a season that is yet to come into being. But I want you to notice the word wait. The word wait here is what really leapt out at me. The vision is yet for an appointed time. At the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, everybody say wait for it. It is the root word that we get this word wait. It has the idea of piercing through or cutting through. The translators in your King James Bible felt that it meant actually to adhere to. To tarry or to wait. And thus we find in our King James Bible it renders it wait. When you study the root word, you'll find a clear picture. It's almost as though the writer is envisioning a sculptor who is carving a stone or something that is entrenched, that cannot be changed, that cannot be manipulated. Something that is put into a mold whose image and imprint is fixed forever. I'm saying it is enduring. He's talking about having the patience that is willing to wait until that God will move, that God will do it. Well, when's He going to do it? I don't know, but I've settled the issue. It's going to happen. I'm going to keep believing that the sculptor knows what he's doing. That the one that has the scalpel, as it were, in his hand, that has that piercing object, knows what he is out to do. And so when you consider this, it helps us understand that God is in control of not only the promise, but the period in which we wait. Am I making sense to you? And so, translators have the idea of piercing through. And that is where we get this word that is, in a sense, akin to this word. It is a word that merits application and consideration. And that word is the word we get for a hook. Everybody say a hook. 
I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel up to preaching wild and knocking over chairs tonight. But I want to share this with you because God in His infinite wisdom and His awesome power often chooses to do great things hinged on small events. He does great works through the most insignificant of vessels. He chooses to do things the way He does so that nobody can get the glory for what He's doing. He simply wants to speak and order and divinely orchestrate and take all of the glorious things He does and hang it on a hook. This word hook is really an angler's term. Now, Brother Marshall was quite a fisherman. That guy could catch fish where there was no fish. I think he'd go on a day nobody was catching and God just put a fish under a log just for him. That man could fish and he loved it. Oh, y'all are quiet. Y'all knew him better than I did. We talk about fishing up here at the store. And he would share some stories with me. But no matter where he cast his line, no matter where he chose to fish, and no matter where he parked the boat, and how many miles up the river he had to travel, it didn't matter. The issue wasn't the miles, the boat, the line, the reel, or the rod that got the fish in the boat. It was the hook. And what the writer is helping us understand here is that I, I want you to understand that the promise of God was so sure, was so steadfast, that like the hook on the end of the line, that when you felt the fish tug on the end of it. You set the hook on the fish and reeled it in. I can't get no help here. The prophet was simply saying to God's people that God's word and His promise were so sure what God had shown them was of such destiny that all Habakkuk had to do was be like the hopeful angler and just simply cast out the line and wait. Waiting was more than just being patient. Waiting was, I keep on casting it until I feel something on the other end of the line. And that's the way God looks at His promises when it comes to every one of us tonight. You know, there are 2,461 promises in the book of Psalms, or rather verses. There's 915 in Proverbs, 31,000, nearly 32,000 in your King James Bible. I read somewhere where it's around 28,000 to 30,000 promises in all the Word of God. And I got to thinking about that. And I came to the conclusion that God's trying to tell us something. 
that I've got promises for you to claim. Promises that I made to you that even though you haven't seen it come to pass, don't give up, don't despair, just cast out the line and wait for it. God has a lot of promises for this church. And what God is needing us to do is do that act of faith again. I'm going to cast out the line. And I'm going to wait for God to move. I'm going to wait for the fish to tug the line. I'm going to submit to you tonight that it's not hard. It's not easy, rather, waiting. I, I haven't done a lot of deep sea fishing. I've been once or twice. and uh, But I have done quite a bit of fishing off the piers out here. I've talked with friends that they run these boats out here, these charter boats, and they take people out. And uh, I have a lot of preachers call me asking me to get them lined up on these deep sea fishing deals. And I have to tell them all the time, well, I can give you a name and I can give you a number, but I can't guarantee anything that you're going to get the schedule and get everything arranged. It's something you're going to have to do. And I'm telling this church it's something you're going to have to do. Am I making sense? And I've got friends, they tell me stories. And they've been out there deep sea fishing and they love to go out and get sailfish or marlin. And in the Gulf out here, marlin seems to be the real trophy, not necessarily the sailfish. Usually in Florida, that seems to be the thing they like to catch. But when you, when you leave out of Gulfport or Biloxi or you drive out from, Louisiana, you leave off that lower peninsula, perhaps you go out of Homa. You get out there around the Chandelier Islands and further out into the Gulf. And they go out there, they've got the objective of the one thing, the one goal they have in mind, and that is the marlin. They don't waste their time trying to attract other fish. They're not looking for any plan B's. As far as their trip is concerned, they've got their goal, they've got their mind on one thing. Am I making sense? And you can't live distracted. You've got to narrow your focus. And the fishermen, they get up in that chair. And I've had them describe it to me. And they'll get in a chair and of course they've got this belt that they can put the, the rod into where it you know, won't get away from them when they catch a hold of this. They'll leave them off the back of the boats until they hear the click and the, and the line running out with that high-pitched zinging sound. And while they're setting everything up, they'll get the fisherman into that chair and get him positioned. And I want to ask you something. Are you positioned for the long haul? Are you positioned for the long haul? And when you hear that sound, you know that's your cue. When you come into a service like you are tonight and you feel that witness of the Holy Ghost, that's when you need to be making your way to your position. And they'll get in that chair and they'll the guys will help them out and they get them strapped in. And of course they've got that board they flip out and they'll put... 
their feet on that board, and I've watched certain things in the past. Of course, you know, I, I've watched it on YouTube and watched them fish and catch that, and they'll sometimes they're barefooted. And they'll put their feet on that rough board that they're resting their feet on, and, and they, you know, for, for some people, if they're not careful, they'll let the video kind of deceive them in the timing of how long it takes for them to reel in what they're looking for. Now stay with me. And sometimes we can get up and testify stuff. Don't get nervous. I'm not carnal. But I'll tell you what we do sometimes. We, we let the deception of the testimony sometimes. And it's almost like, well, man, they made it sound like God just... Paul did it overnight. Or that God did this and we didn't have, they didn't have to wait for anything. Why am I having to wait so long? Did it ever occur to you that it don't take long to reel in a crappie? And it doesn't take long to reel in a trout or a bass. But when you hook into something big, it takes a while. Could it be that the reason you're having to wait so long is because the thing that God wants to do in your life is so vast and great and immeasurable? He's just simply asking you to position yourself, throw out the line, and set the hook. Set the hook. I said set the hook. Look at your neighbor and tell him, set the hook. Because when you set the hook, that's when the ride begins. That's when the devil tests you the most. That's when the enemy starts working on your mind. He sits on your shoulder and speaks words like, God can't and the Lord won't. You're not worthy of it. Boy, it's quiet. Y'all make me so nervous sometimes. God bless your heart. But I've watched some of these events where they're catching these fish. And even though they want to cut the tape and they want to trim the video and they want to make it narrow it down to where it looks like they weren't there all that long, truth is they've been there a while for the Lord they've been struggling for a while and they've their muscles are now aching and feet that have been on those rough boards are now blistered and bleeding back is aching and they're wondering if it's worth the trip oh yeah it's it's worth the trip because the enemy will mess with your mind if you let him. But it takes the angler who's determined in his spirit. And I heard not long ago some guy say, well, determination doesn't have anything to do with your faith. Really? He hasn't been through some battles like I have. And I don't think he's been through the battles like I've seen this church fight. Sometimes you've got to endure. Hardness is a good soul. You've got to keep waiting and keep reeling it in. And sometimes you 
you see him jump up and he's far out there and you're thinking, oh Lord, we're just getting started. This is hard now. But what you don't understand, the resistance of what seems to be a small line and a firm hook is what's keeping you attached to your promise. So, in closing, everybody say, thank God, preacher's closing. I'm preaching to a church that you've been a little weary with the waiting. You know it's there, you believe it, you dare not even speak unbelief or doubt in your life because you made up your mind, I'm going to hang in here and I'm going to wait. I'm going to set the hook. I'm going to hold on. And I'm going to, you know, the joy, the joy of it all is is when others come to you and say, do you want us to cut the line? There's no hesitation in your voice. And you say, no! Let me reel him in. Do you need a break? No! I'm determined. I've got this. I've got this. Turn around and look at your neighbor and tell them you got this. No, no, say it like you mean it. Y'all, just say it like you mean it. Because see, after all the heartache and all the tears and all the sweat, And all the anguish. And you need a big dose of Tylenol. (laughs) I don't know if that's for the headache or the aching muscles. But it's when you finally get that marlin on the end of the boat. And they reach down with the gaff. And they pick it up and pull it over into the boat. All of the pain. All of the struggle. All of the time waiting. It taught you resolve. It taught you to trust. It taught you patience. It's going to be worth it. God's working on your families. Oh, yes, He is. I feel a witness shoot across this building just then when I said that. God's working on your families. And you just don't realize how close you are Amen. You set the hook on this thing a long time ago. You just don't realize now how close you are because you saw it leap out in the waters far away. But now all of a sudden it's descended and trying to drive deeper and get away. And you're wondering, where did it go? Is it still on the hook? Sometimes the fish isn't running away and feel it on the line. It's running to you. And you wonder if you didn't lose it. Can I talk to you just a little bit more? And I'm here to remind you that what's happening is that that fish is headed your way you thought it was all lost you thought it was over but I'm here to remind you hey the promise of God is headed closer your way than you ever thought it was going to be all you need to do is reel in the slack and just keep on going just reel in the slack and keep on believing amen I'm here to remind you 
just set the hook on your promise tonight because eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him number said God is not a man that he should lie honey God's got the promise on the line remain standing let me get you out You got to set the hook on your promise. You got to be determined in this hour. I will not be moved. Galatians simply says this familiar passage of Scripture Be not weary in well doing. For in due season, everybody say due season. You know, that's the same thing the Lord spoke to about. It's for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak. Now, I'm talking to country folk. <clears throat> we may not have hills and hollows like they do in the upstate. But somebody call from you from afar, you might hear the echo, but you never hear what they say. You believe that? Say amen. But it's, but it's when it gets close, you hear it clearly. And I'm trying to help you understand that what's going on here, God's got it closer to you than you realize. And he's saying, at the end, it shall speak and not lie. Tell your neighbor, it's coming to pass. <laughs> Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come. Tell your neighbor, say, God, don't make no mistake. I'm reminding this church you need to hold on. Hold on to what God is doing. If God said it, He'll make it happen. So get your tackle box out. This is your tackle box. Get your line ready. Tie the hook on. Throw it out. And wait for it. I want you to lift your hand right now. I want you to thank God for his promises, shall you? Will you do that right now? Just thank God for his promises. In Jesus' name, we thank you right now, Lord. God, you have made promises to us that you are wanting us to claim. And I pray right now that as we, we determine ourselves and position ourselves and we throw out the line of anticipation and faith, that Lord, when we feel the tug on the line, that we're not mistaken in that, but it is the signal to set the hook. And there are people here tonight that have set the hook on things that seem so vast and so great. 
They were not small promises. They were not minimized by the words of unbelievers. But it was something that we received in our spirit that helped us to realize that this is greater than we could have ever imagined. And we're going to be patient and wait for it. Set the hook and keep reeling. And in due season it will happen. We made up our mind. We're determined tonight. We're holding on in Jesus' name. Come on, praise Him right now. Oh, let's give that unto the Lord here tonight. Praise God. Praise God. You can be seated. You know, Abraham, the father of faith, received a promise. And no doubt he had sacked a hook. The Bible said he never staggered. Even when hope in that own body was gone. His hope wasn't in himself or Sarah. It was in God. God was the one that's going to work this thing out. God was the one that's going to make it happen. Still the same way today for you and I tonight. It's God's plan. It's God's workings. It's God's ways. We just got to be determined that we're just going to hang in here. The seasons may not be right sometimes. The settings may not be right sometimes. Can I tell you just a quick, I know we're telling fish stories tonight. I'm not telling you mine. I'm going to tell you somebody else's. Brother Joel Booker, the young people remember this, that went to youth camp that year. He preached a whole message on him going fishing in Alaska. Had some brothers of the church that wanted to go. And may, I think his brother-in-law had set it up. He said the weather was horrible. He said, I'm talking about waves. There's like, I forgot. I want to say 12 foot, but that sounds awful big. But anyway, it was unreasonable. He said, I wanted to stay at the motel room and read a book or something. I'd much rather do that anyway. He said, but they talked us into going. He said, nobody else is going out. He said, but oh, but my brother-in-law said, we're going. He said, you got to be kidding. No, we're going. So they went. He said, I'm sitting on an ice chest. I, ain't, I don't want to be gross here, but he said, I'm sitting on that ice chest. And he said, man, every few seconds, I'm over that side. But he said, just like Brother McCoo talked about them poles out. He said, the captain of that boat walked by and said, hey, who owns that pole right there? He's got a good fish on it. He said, oh, it's mine. I, ain't, I don't care. He said, after a while, he said, that captain, just a few minutes, he said, I'm telling you, he said, that thing's got a good fish on it. He said, said, he said, I finally looked at it, and he said, I thought, I said, well, I'm sick. I might as well be sick pulling the fish in. He said, he got in that seat, got buckled down, and got to pulling on that thing. He said, in just a few minutes, he said, it topped that water. He said, when it topped that water, he said, it was one of those big trophy fish. He said, everybody in the boat got well. He said, including me. He said, I got over that sickness. He said, when that thing come out of that water and I seen what it was and everybody else on the boat was cheering him on, he said, I forgot all about the sickness. You'll forget all about being weak. You'll forget all about, about all the bad days and the bad seasons. When you see that thing come up out of the water, that's the trophy. That's the promise. That's the soul. That's what I've been looking for. That's what you and I got to make up in our minds. I've set the hook, honey, and I'm in it, amen, until, the, until this thing gets pulled in. Just got to have your minds made up, your heart sold out. Who's your God and who's going to work it out? And I believe in that tonight. How about you? Amen. Thank you, Brother McCoo, for the word of God tonight. 
Praise God. There's a lot of promises and some big promises in that Bible. And we need to hold on to them. And the main one is eternal life. The main one is eternal life. I want it. How about you? I want to be a part of it. And by the help of God, I want to help everybody that I possibly can make it. Amen. Heaven's big enough. Don't worry. There's more than enough room. Praise God. We, we, you and I just I'll make our minds up. We're going. We're going. We're going to go and be a part of it. Amen. All right. Birthdays. Got any birthdays? I don't think we do. No birthdays. No anniversaries. Man, we act like we've Thanksgiving week or something around here. What's going on? Praise God. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. Let's stand together. Just, I'm just going to let you be dismissed in the fear of the Lord. Love you. Appreciate you. Tithe and offerings. The plates are out. If you want to, we're almost making a habit of this, aren't we? It's building fun night. Praise God. Your commitment there. We thank you for it. Appreciate you for it. Let's, let's continue to pray. Amen. For the, the Billings family, the Kulovich, the Berry family. Coming up Tuesday night, the wake, it's Tuesday night from 5 to 10. Amen. At moments. And then the funeral is going to be at 11 o'clock. Amen. Wednesday. Amen. 11 o'clock Wednesday at moments. So all of you, please keep them in prayers. Come if you can. And we love you tonight. Appreciate you. Appreciate these families. God's blessing them. I'm not going to go into no details. I, I, I don't think it'd be right. But anyway, but God's blessing them and helping them this hour. And we thank God for it. God's always just in his ways. He knows how to work for us in trying times like this. And we thank God for it tonight. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. God bless you.